Welcome back to another Express Yourself podcast episode where today we are talking to uh, Virality. Um, and if you're new to the podcast, um, the idea is to encourage people to talk more about their mental health, to destigmatize the topic, and to find good habits that we can share with people watching and listening at home to hopefully help um, you all improve um, your own kind of uh, daily habits and um, mental health um, practices. So if you are new to the podcast and you're interested in the topic of gaming and mental health, why not join the Discord? I'll leave a, a link in the description. My name is Earthmo Dan, and as I mentioned, today we welcome on Virality. How's it going, Woo. dude? Good, man. I'm good. I'm actually like... A little bit tired because it's like close to 6 18 p.m but i'm happy to be here it's really good like having um you know you doing your podcast and then kind of i suppose yeah expressing mental health and kind of having guests on to share their life experiences with that mental health and find things that you know may, like find things that work for them and which may work for other people so yeah really cool I love it, not only because it's an important topic, but I get to meet um, people and build relationships through these conversations because we were talking beforehand, right? We spend, each, we spend time in each other's Twitch chats, but we've never spoken one-to-one -one directly like, like this before. So it kind of takes that relationship to, a, to the next level and like the topics that we're covering today also means that we're going kind of deeper than you would normally in just like a, I don't know, a conversation where you're at a dinner table talking about what's what's happening in, in your everyday life. So I, I love it for that reason. And it's it's um it's it's the thing that I'm most proud of when it comes to this whole Earth Mode project. So yeah, I'm delighted to to have people like you come on the podcast and share your story because I was unsure in the very beginning as to how many people would actually want to do this. But Turns out 50% of the people I speak to are more than happy to kind of join and share their, share their own personal experience. So thank you, dude. Yeah, no, no worries. Thank you for having me on here, to be honest. And, you know, I always like talking about my experiences and my experiences with mental health and health in general. And yeah, it's kind of interesting with the fact that once I learn more stuff about mental health, I tend to like try to share as much as i can of what works for me specifically and yeah might work for other people okay amazing why, why don't we start by kind of um introducing yourself to people at home that, that might not know you yeah sure so um my name's reality um first name is manual happy to share that um and i'm a twitch streamer so i'm a variety twitch streamer and yeah i kind of got into gaming ever since when I was a kid, actually. And I always found it very interesting. Um, that's something that can be so fun and enjoyable and like playing with friends and playing with, you know, maybe your siblings as well can have so much, I suppose, social interactions as well. But like there's so many different elements of gaming that you can kind of, um, you know, good and bad that can kind of work for your mental health, but also be a detriment to your mental health. But yeah. Um, I also work professionally as a consultant and the main things that we do 
is we consult on mental health programs here in Australia, and we find ways to improve their services um, and programs. And so that next iterations of whatever they're designing for those programs, whether it be for mental health or suicide prevention, um, they get better and hopefully the health outcomes get better by doing so. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Wow, that's amazing. I didn't know that. Um, that must be very rewarding. A really good job. To oh, have. absolutely. Yeah, it's very rewarding. And I've kind of, I suppose, growing up, I've always wanted to be in health in some form or fashion, whether it be a doctor or a nurse or something like that. But like, where, like, now that I think back on it, like, if I told my like teenage self, like, where I'd end up, I think he'd be pretty happy where he'd end up. Like, it's crazy that, like, I'm still, um, working in public health. So I got a master's public health and I um, have a bachelor of science and majoring in biomedical science. So I knew roughly what direction I wanted to be in my life. And okay. yeah, I've just taken it. Cool. It's really cool. When, when did mental health become a, a, a topic for you? Um, because I know for myself that mental health didn't, wasn't, I wasn't aware of this thing until probably just a few years ago like i'm in my 30s now so probably mm -hmm. once i hit my 30s it, it become it became like more of a prominent topic for me um but i know pe some people especially younger people are m much more in tune with the topic right now um but i but i, I I'm, I'm interested to find out when you um started to think about mental health or started to know about mental health very good question actually because like i knew growing up in school we there was like some programs on mental health and stuff like that but i knew it existed but no actual big understanding of it it was just like okay that's there like if you have some mental health problems you go to it but never really got into mental health and understanding why it's so important until i myself had some issues mentally and that okay. was probably about I think oh, so long ago. I think it was like 2015 when I was in my honors year for um, my bachelor of science, where I just felt so like low and stuff like that, and that it kind of affected my studies. And so by having that, I got um, diagnosed with major depressive disorder. Okay. At that point, um, decided to drop out and you know make sure to focus on my mental health. And it's interesting because like. I've done so much study of like health and, you know, science and what's the best way to do that. But like, there wasn't so much stuff on mental health okay. per se. Yeah. Like I, I did some psychology, um, some psychology courses, but it like talked about neuroscience and the brain and stuff like that and different, um, sociological patterns and stuff like that. But like in terms of actual practical stuff for mental health, I realized that there was like huge def deficiency. And so when I was in that position in my own lived experience, I wasn't sure what to do because I didn't really have the tools necessary to kind of bring myself out of that initially. So it took a while. It did take a while to get myself out of that um, episode. Um, but yeah, I think that was probably the first time I interacted with mental health in my life, really. Okay. So. Yeah. But that that's turned out into quite like a pivotal moment for you in terms of where you've landed today in your your career because I guess that has 
been a big impact in terms of determining where you are now? Yeah, I totally agree. Like I could probably see myself like the reason why I probably chose a master public health is to learn more about the issues on a public level instead of um, through maybe like a clinic or something like that, mm. where in terms, in terms of actual factors that may affect people, it may not necessarily be the person, but the sort of factors above here that kind of affect um, people down the road. So whether or not it be things like socioeconomic status, which is a term they say to like anything that's like your social factors or where you live or kind of like economic circumstances that you start out on you may have vulnerabilities to certain health conditions and mental health being one of them. Yeah. So like just, just that is very interesting in the sense that like from where you start, you could have a harder road down like that fact. Yeah. So just one of those things is making it so interesting to work on mental health. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's so true. And like, I, another benefit of having these conversations is that I hear from so many different people about their experiences and what might have led to their struggles with mental health. And a lot of it boils down to kind of them, the way they grew up, whether it's, whether it was a childhood trauma or whether it was from the conditions that they're growing up in, um, which don't necessarily be traumatic, but it has impacted their, their health, um, in that way. So. Um, yeah, I think it's great what you're doing. That's amazing. I didn't know that. So um, hopefully we can get some really good insights from you today. Yeah. I'm full of surprises, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So we, you, talked to, you talked a little bit about kind of um, the moment uh, which, which kind of led to um, your understanding of mental health. You went through um, a depressive disorder. Is that, is that completely past now or is that or is that always going to be there in some way shape or form um i can see it being in some shape or form but like more or less like let's say 95 percent of it that has passed and the other five of it i believe personally comes from having an generalized anxiety disorder so that's where i think personally where that comes from where if i you know, don't take care of myself to make sure that that's kind of in place and finding ways to kind of navigate those thoughts. Um, it can definitely turn itself into a um, spiral into depression, I think. Okay. Personally. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And did the generalized anxiety come before the depression? Is that what led into it? one thing led into the other in the first place? I think so retrospectively, um, just because of the way I've grown up and me not knowing anything about that like looking back to like my school days and everything i could probably pinpoint pinpoint a couple of maybe undiagnosed episodes as well but also just you know having that anxiety there but like as i stand like today i think as time has gone on i've learned to manage it better and that just comes with time like working on it actively so it'll still be there in some shape or form but yeah you, know, you get better over time i feel like yeah and i think you've um it sounds like you've got a benefit in terms of what you do professionally and what you studied for um and you have a real interest in the topic so i think it's 
I think that gives you a bit of an advantage in managing it, let's say. Mm. Um, so yeah, hopefully we can pull some some of those learnings out of you today and, and share them with the with the people at home. That that would be amazing. Um, Absolutely. Just before we get into all the all all the learnings and stuff, I want to kind of dig mm -hmm. a little bit deeper. So. Um, it sounds like you're you've been diagnosed with both of these generalized anxiety disorder and um you you're also diagnosed with the depressive disorder right so mm -hmm. um was how did how did that come about in terms of the the initial diagnosis for the generalized anxiety because i i'm i I'm, I think there's a lot of people who suffer a lot of anxiety, but would never think, wouldn't necessarily know what it is, um, but also wouldn't think to get diagnosed for it or know how to. I think it came after the fact that um, just after my episode, I would still feel anxious a lot. And that would just come from... Um, the tests that I get from my GP. So uh, there are certain standardized tests for different disorders and stuff like that. But um, just like kind of, again, thinking retrospectively, I now tend to think like anxiety as like a, f a worry that's in the future. Yeah. So anything that's future-based that you think about whether or not, okay, I need to pay a bill or like in a couple of weeks time, do I have enough money for that? Or I got this test in like a couple of days or I got a big, I don't know, research milestone in two months. And you think about it now, but it's like in the future. And implicitly, if you're worrying about stuff in the future, that's a threat. I think of that as a kind of anxiety in itself. So that's kind of like my definition as to whether or not something is a anxiety for me. So yeah, yeah. that makes complete that sense. Makes sense. It does. It does. And yeah. like looking back on my childhood, I I specifically remember going from like I would almost I would always map out the the things that are coming up in the future, and I'd be like. I'd be like, okay, in two weeks, I've got this. So I worry about that for two weeks. And then, okay, that's done. But in in one week, I've got this. And then I'd, I'd just spend the whole time anxious about things that were, that were coming up. And mm -hmm. I certainly at the time didn't know that that was classed as anxiety or um, a potential mental health problem. I just thought it was me being me. And I didn't it's not something I ever spoke to about, uh, spoke to people about. I didn't know if other people were going through that as well. It's just something I locked in and just like, this is just the way I am. This is, I, I just, uh, I, that's how I cope with things, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely felt this way. Like, like in school and especially in uni, like I've, you know, so many tests, so many assignments, so much study to do. Yeah. And I think, when it can get bad, I think for me personally is when it's uncontrollable, like when I can't break out of that thinking per se. So like I kind of tend myself to do some meditation so that I can bring myself back to the present. Um, and I kind of done this thing now, like actually, have you done any meditation like through like an app or anything? Because okay. uh, I use an app called Headspace. Okay. And like there's a couple of um, anxiety-based techniques that they can teach you and i kind of tried one where like 
it teaches you over time to kind of, if you get caught yourself in the moment and you catch yourself thinking and you can kind of step back from it and think like, whether or not are you thinking or feeling what type of emotion or thinking is it like, is it negative or positive? Um, or is it like anger or, you know, anything like that. And then just like, kind of like having that step back from it, you can, I feel like I can kind of like be in the present and being in the present for me is the most important thing to be in so that I don't feel anxious or anything like that. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I tend to use thing. I tend to use YouTube for like my, um, meditation or, um, mm-hmm. sometimes I don't even use, uh, anything. I, I, I kind of just like sit there in silence on, or as, as silent as it can be, for, um, before my yep. yoga and just sit there and just try and like, yeah, take mm. in, try and understand where I am at. But um, I've never tried Headspace before, but I've heard it's heard it's very good. And yeah, um, like I also use different YouTube ones. Funnily enough, um, every now and then I use um, do yoga with yoga with Adrian, but she has a couple of um, meditation stuff. And I like every now and then, like every other day, I use like I look up her pranayama practice or nadi shodhana where oh, yeah 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 lots of breathing so good i think it's so good for if you think a lot because it literally forces you to think about your breath yeah and get yourself out of your thoughts so that's yeah. the main one i use yeah i think breathing exercises are, are very good and it's something i've tried on on the channel actually on my twitch um as a channel point reward to or just as a way um a break during a, a long stream just to say okay well now it's important to take a moment and like collect yourself and make sure you're taking because 12 hour streams aren't healthy. Right. But I do try and pop in things yeah, every, pretty long. <laughs> every now and then to break it up and to kind of think about my mental health. So uh, and breathing is one mm. of them. Another breathing um, exercise I often do is the, the Wim Hof technique. Have you ever oh, heard which of that? the Wim Hof technique? I know Wim Hof, but not the technique. So he's he's got a, a breathing technique where um, you basically breathe in really deeply, out really deeply, no pause between the breaths. You do that for about, I don't know, a few minutes. And then uh, you stop and you hold your breath for, well, after practice, you go from one minutes to two minutes to three minutes to four minutes. So, but this technique will allow you to hold your breath all that time, and um, and then uh, you release. Um, and it's just a really great way of kind of again being in the moment, thinking mm. only about what you're doing because you really have to concentrate on like breathing. And we often don't think about breathing; we just we just let it. We, we just let it go it just, it just happens naturally right yeah yeah um but when you do think about your breathing you really concentrate and like you you understand the power of the breath um it's super helpful kind of bring yourself back to the moment and again if anxiety is about fear of the future then you're not thinking about the future you're thinking about think about now so exactly yeah. Exactly. And the funny thing is, like, you described to me that technique of Wim Hof. I do this weird thing where I kind of use, like, an element of that, but in the shower. So I normally have a warm shower, 
And then after I'd finished my shower, I do those 30 breaths in and out. And then when I'm ready to kind of like do that long breath out, I crank, crank it to cold and I cold shock myself as well. It's really tough, especially in the winter months, but um, I find it to kind of be sort of therapeutic in a way because again, it's like, yes, it's a shock, but I'm thinking out the present and I'm not thinking about like, what am I doing in the rest of the day or the week or the month? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, it's su- pretty cool. Surprisingly enough, that's the other part of the Wim Hof um, technique. It's about, um, it's about combining cold, extreme cold with your, with like, um, um, this breathing technique. And that is, um, proven to actually help you deal with, um, take your body out of stress mode and and stuff like that. So yeah, you you got it nailed already. (laughs) I already nailed it. Yeah. Um, I can't remember where exactly I picked that up, but, um, yeah, from memory, I think it's meant to serve as a kind of a hormetic stressor where it's not like chronic stress, where you're not stressing about a lot of things. So like, yes, you're in stress for like maybe one minute or two minutes. But for me, like when I do it, like, I yes, I go through that. But the rest of the day, I'm not as stressed either. Like I'm not on like, I don't know. Yeah, on high alert, essentially. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going around for my day, just kind of like doing my thing. So it helps me in that sense as well. So Yeah. yeah. I know. Um, so when I, I haven't been, um, employed, let's say for over a year now. And for me, my job, my employment was, um, certainly in the last, since I became a professional, let's say that was the biggest cause of stress and anxiety in my life and Mm -hmm. being taking myself out of that situation has helped me um, improve my mental health significantly but I guess like I don't know your job must get stressful at times but actually because what you're doing is it's also very rewarding so I wonder if there's um I wonder if you get that stress and anxiety through your work but then it's balanced out through the reward of it or if it's just like if if you just you, you don't suffer uh, from that. yeah you hit you hit it on the head actually so like there can be periods where we're under crunch and we're like working really like we have to work really efficiently and very quickly but um i think the biggest rewards for me is like yeah finishing the reports to make sure that like they're sent off and they make sense and we're using um evidence-based interventions to improve the services and then i think the other big thing is that um as part of that kind of consulting process we get to kind of hold qualitative interviews with different stakeholders, which will be like the staff or the managers of the service, but also more importantly, the clients of the service and like to hear how those services have been helping them um, and like what can be improved from their perspective. Um, It's always interesting to hear their raw experiences with that and whether or not that helps or how it helps their kids as well. If it's a kid, like kid-based service or youth-based service. Yeah. So yeah, like, like, like you said, like it can get stressful, but it can be extremely rewarding. And that's what I like about my job currently at the most, which is awesome actually. Okay. Amazing. Um, okay. I just want to go, I just want to go back a little bit. Um, I'm wondering, um, I'm wondering, do you know what 
what um what might have caused your uh, initial um um anxiety problems when you were younger was there a specific thing that might have caused it um hmm let me think about that i think it probably would have to do with my upbringing as a um and in terms of my ethnicity growing up so i'm born to two, two first generation filipinos that came over um to australia to work and i was born here in australia hence i don't have a filipino accent <laughs> i have an australian accent <laughs> um but yeah my kind of growing up stage was very weird and interesting now that i think about it so i grew up in a rural area of australia or regional area of australia and so that in itself it like in the 90s was a different time because there was a whole like predominantly it was all caucasian so there wasn't so much um any there wasn't so much diversity so to speak in terms of ethnicities and stuff like that um so i kind of felt like i grew up as a insider yet an outsider like i wasn't suppose discriminated against but i didn't feel like i was a part of you know australia in a sense okay so that was all right interesting to navigate but then like the second element is that like i was like naturally gifted going through school and i think the other aspect of that is kind of meeting expectations and so i think over time as i grew older and older i developed this sense of perfectionism okay in like my daily life yeah and that basically like until most recently i've like unwound that kind of thought pattern and habit um but yeah it would definitely consume me like i'd like want to make sure that like i do this right do this right make sure i do the most efficient way the most optimal way where like i can like looking back on it it's very taxing i suppose in a sense yeah so i would say that that would probably be the other major component of that so where where was the expectation coming from was that mainly from yourself was it from your teachers was it from your parents everyone <laughs> I, I think it was probably 75% myself and 25% my parents and maybe 1% teachers i don't know okay <laughs> um in that aspect but yeah i think a lot of it was kind of myself i kind of knew that like because i wanted to growing up rural i always wanted to kind of step away from the rural life like i knew that there was a better opportunity for myself somewhere else and for me to kind of my rationalization was for me to kind of get out or you know do better in life or um, find a better living condition <clears throat> i would need to excel to make sure that that happens and so that for me felt like it was a trade-off so okay yeah wow so there was a there was a <clears throat> lot of drive and ambition at an, at an early early age again i i whenever i speak to people i always think back to what i was like when i was younger and i i never really had anyone pushing me at all which i think is a good and a bad thing because um i never really had the desire to go on and do something 
amazing or um i i never really had a plan either but it sounds like you had mm -hmm. you had a plan or you had an ambition which um did put pressure on yourself but it, it's also helped you get to where you are today right yeah, absolutely. Like I did have a rough plan. I didn't really have like specifically I want to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Yeah. Um, it was like, eh, around this direction. Yeah. So like, yeah, my kind of direction was to like go to university and make sure I get into university. Um, I knew I wanted to do something in health. So like doing a bachelor of science was like the foot in the door in that direction. And then I can figure out from there. Um, at one point I was thinking of doing medicine and I was doing the entrance exams for that. Um, I actually got to the last stage of that, but um, didn't get through, sadly. But, you know, if I ever feel like going back to trying to see if I can become a doctor, I may. Who knows? But all in all, I've always wanted to make sure that my quality of life, as time goes on, increases or stays the same. And so I've kind of actively found ways to kind of make sure that that happens, I think. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, I did have a trajectory growing up. Okay. Trying to meet at that yeah and so your your parents were um moved uh moved over and you were born here um it sounds like they um they had to work hard to make ends meet is that is that safe to say um not necessarily like that once they came over here they found decent jobs and stuff like that um, I think for them, it was challenging because, you know, coming to a new, um, country with no background of the culture or the people, yeah. it's very difficult to navigate. Um, and then especially coming from an Asian country to here, um, luckily the Philippines has English as its curriculum, as natural curriculum. So it was easy to kind of have that language there. I think more or less, I've kind of taken up the habits like for better, for worse, um, implicitly for my parents, like they would be, they'd be very hardworking. So they worked always hard. Like dad would always wake up 5am to go to work and then finish work at like 5pm or 6pm and stuff like that. Wow. And cook dinner. Um, yeah. Same with my mom, both mom and dad would work constantly. And so, um, I don't know, maybe it was like a parents thing where I kind of, kind of took up that as a role model to kind of like work towards yeah maybe it was that because i guess they moved over to australia to try and give you a, a better life and it didn't stop when they got here they had to actually work to make sure that you were given all the opportunities that they wanted to to give you right yeah absolutely and i think like they've said that like many times like to myself growing up and i think yeah, it's kind of brings up really interesting things because like, you know, they would have to sacrifice so much in terms of like, uh, you know, leaving their families behind in the Philippines because they're still over there, majority of them, um, you know, sacrificing all their friends as well. Like they came over here with basically no money and no, I suppose, social circle. They had to build that up from scratch. And yeah, I guess... Yeah, they just had to endure adversity and mm. come out the other side. Okay. But they must be proud of seeing how they've helped you get to where, where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. And I like, they're always proud of me. Like, it's interesting because, like, in terms of Asian like, culture, um, 
like they don't they won't tell you they're proud of you but you know when they're proud of you but sometimes you just have to ask them every now and then like hey are you proud of me and, like, <laughs> and obviously they'll be like yeah of course but like they won't show you they'll show you that they're proud of you in other ways okay that's just how like i suppose Asian culture is in my mind i would say yeah um we, we've had a few people on the podcast um who said um who've come from an asian background as well and they've always had similar similar things to say it's definitely a, you definitely brought up in a in a different way different culture different mentality and especially when you're you're mm -hmm. kind of bringing your culture and your ways of being to a new to a new country you kind of want to i guess adapt to the new place but you also want to hold on to your to your culture as well and to to make sure that you're that you Emmanuel, are being brought up with these same kind of types of beliefs that they they were brought up with yeah exactly which is probably another aspect of their lives that they had the challenge and kind of figure out um in terms of like culture yeah um now i think find it very important but like growing up it felt weird being having these two different cultures that were not really they're very segmented they weren't like integrated um so like, I don't know, going like having dinner with rice and a lot of rice dishes, and then like you go out and you like see burgers and stuff like that. Well, why there's no rice there? Like yeah. as a kid, like you just navigate all those types of things. Um, yeah. But yeah, the other I suppose the other thing is like trying to learn another another language. So um, for me specifically, I don't know the national language of um, the Philippines, which is Tagalog, but that's just because my parents um, like work so long, like I said, like long hours, they never really had the time to kind of, um, you know, teach me formally. I'd love to like, at some point, like take formal lessons and kind of like upskill myself in that area eventually. But you know, that's on pause at the moment, but yeah, so um, there's a whole bunch of like culture stuff trying to, to try to integrate and, you know, mom, I, was, I would say mom and dad did the best they could. For their yeah. Senses. Yeah. There's so much, so much that I like in there that I, you, you just don't think about if you're not living through that yourself, then you don't, you're not necessarily aware that other people are having to navigate those situations. Um, especially as a, as a kid growing up, you don't, you don't, you don't acknowledge that your, your friend in year seven is, is okay. I, I don't, I, I think they don't acknowledge that there's all these things that you have to go through that you, um, you've just talked about right now. And, and that probably adds, mm. yeah, a lot of, um, a lot of yeah there's a lot, a lot of, of complexity and nuance there and yeah stress as well yeah and like as a kid it's like trying to hot find it hard to navigate and that's i suppose that's where parents come in if they're good parents like they'll try to help you navigate those sort of cultural divides so to speak yeah so yeah okay so um the anxiety um probably came from like um expectation and perfectionism and also um growing up in a in a country which kind of clashed with the way that you were perhaps brought up and living at, at home that all, that all makes sense and then you mentioned that you kind of got to a point at university where you kind of hit this real low 
Um, and that might have been connected to kind of the anxiety, the fear of the future. Is that is that is there a clear correlation there, or are there other things going on alongside that as well? No, I think that was the main correlation. Um, I think it's sort of like that kind of theme where the expectation of myself, I wanted to be where I want, and then just the overwhelming, I suppose, stress of the um, research year in itself. And I think there probably is like a little mini theme in the sense that like I didn't want to let my parents down because, you know, coming from an immigrant background, like they work so hard and, you know, for me to kind of, I don't know, show up with nothing in that sense. It it did feel at the time very, I suppose, a feeling of shame. But, like, it's interesting because, like, they're okay with it now. But, like, at that time, you're, like, cat catastrophized. Like, oh, my God, it's, like, the end of the world. And I'm going to be, like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. And then, like, you come out the other side. Well, I suddenly came out the other side okay actually yeah so i think yeah even though i went through that episode that like it took me a while to get out of um i think the way i frame it is that it was a gift in a way because now that i know what it exactly feels like and that kind of knowledge of mental health and all those different conditions i can manage it better and know the ways to manage it better yeah i'd say so yeah. it's not a complete loss no, absolutely. And I think so many things, even even at the time when they feel like they are very um, traumatic, that when you look back on these things, they're often a, a turning point or a moment in time which you can which you can learn from. Um, so I think it's great that you see it as a as 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 a kind of a, a pivotal point in your life which has helped you learn a lot and Im improve yourself i think that's amazing mm. before we go on to yeah, talk i've about... always sorry. oh yeah go ahead sorry oh i was just gonna say like i always take try to take a learning lesson from everything i do whether or not it's a good thing or a bad thing so yeah that was a little anecdote there yeah i think that's great i try to mm. i try to as well it's not always easy no, it's not. <laughs> Especially in the heat at the moment. Like, you do have to reflect on these things. And I think reflection is a very important, like, aspect to kind of bring up because, um, you know, like you said, like, in the moment, it's a bit hard. You can be a little hot-headed or the emotions are kind of firing on all cylinders. But, like, once you're out of that and you take time to reflect, um, you know, it's kind of a way to kind of like make peace with it if you do the reflection process properly. So that's why I journal um, specifically just to like get my thoughts down and see if things make sense. Is there something I can learn from it? Um, yeah, and just journaling. It's just nice to kind of like get thoughts out okay. not in my head. Yeah, journaling is, is, is really powerful. I should do it more. I did try to do it. Point is, It's another thing that you need to build a habit around, isn't it? But it can be really effective. I know, and we haven't mentioned um, our mutual friend yet, um, El Farco. One of his mm. ways of dealing th with things is by writing songs, writing music. Um, and a lot of mm. his songs are about things that he's gone through. Um, so that's just another way of kind of, again, journaling can be come uh, come about in many different ways but effectively it's writing your thoughts down on a paper piece of paper right 
Yeah, exactly. And funny thing is, like, I like told him, like, maybe talk to a father, like, you know, journaling could be good for you. And then, like, he came back, like, yeah, actually, songwriting is my form of journal, like, journaling. So, like, I've, like, that's how I kind of make peace with it. So, yeah, um, like, currently, I don't really journal. Like, I've kind of unwound that habit, but, like, I'd love to get back into it at some point. Yeah. Because I feel like I feel better off when I do do it than I don't do it. Yeah. But, you know, small steps, right? It's all yeah. about the small steps. Yeah, you can't you can't implement everything at once. I think you've got you to find what works for you and then st- slowly try and add more things. But it, sound, mm. it sounds like you do a lot. Before we get into all the all the good stuff, though, I'm wondering if like you ever developed any bad habits um, through um, these 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 moments, any vices, any anything like that that you look back on now and think, oh, that that wasn't very good for me, and I'm glad I stopped it, or that's not very good for me, and I, but I'm aware I'm doing it. Um, I think. The two main ones that kind of come up is one like in undergraduate like year in uni. I think I did a lot of like drinking to kind of cope with the stress of um uh of uni and just life in that time. I didn't get, it didn't get too out of hand, but I can see like how it did affect me. Like because obviously if you develop that habit, you know, it can get unwound but it wasn't too bad i think the other main one is actually gaming in itself where Mm. um (laughs) i always think about the time like in high school and at uni as well because i played a lot of what warcraft at that time and so like and league of legends and stuff like that there's like a point where like i would just like play games to kind of like escape in Mm -hmm. a sense and i think like if i like too far down that rabbit hole it can be more harm than good but i do see a um like at this point i do see a way where gaming can be good if it's done in the right way i would say because like if you gave me like i don't know if i had a week off and you told me to like play new world for example i'd be all about that i could (laughs) definitely do that if i really wanted to (laughs) but yeah um i always try to make sure that i have measurable times and measurable things um, I think the main indicator for me is when, like, if things in my, in real life get, I suppose, put to the side or they're not upkept, I think that would be a good indicator for me to know whether or not gaming is too much. But at the moment, I'm finding a good balance. And yeah, um, again, that comes with time, I would say. Yeah, I think a schedule is a big part of that as well, isn't it? Because if you know you've got, I don't know, between this and this time to to play video games, but you've also got these other things to do throughout your day, then that helps you to kind of moderate. I think the biggest thing with anything is doing too much of something can be unhealthy, right? Even, even working out and going to the gym. If you're going to the gym six hours a day, then that can be, that can be unhealthy to a point because it turns into a a bit of an obsession and anything obsessive can be unhealthy. So I think, I think just having a schedule and knowing like, okay, this is my gaming time. It shouldn't go beyond that. And, and especially if it then goes on to affect you in your other, um, life situations and what I see the Mm. biggest um 
the biggest problem that gamers have is with their sleep. And Absolutely. Because um, I don't know if you want to get, going to share an anecdote, but like typically when you game, right, it's usually in, in the night and you're like staring at a screen. And so like when you stare at a screen, like the neurochemistry, your brain feels like you're awake because of the light. Like it's daytime and like it can definitely disrupt your circadian rhythm because like, I don't know if you're playing, I suppose you were for like four hours from like 8 PM and then suddenly it's 1 AM we're like, oh no. And then like, you could definitely interrupt your sleep. That's for sure. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. So I think like gaming in moderation can be a very good thing, but if you do it too much and it's impacting you negatively in other ways and it can obviously be a, a negative thing like so so many other mm. um so many other habits bad habits can be um i think i think yeah habits can either be good or bad right uh, depending on what effect they're having yeah, on you yeah depending on the, the way it affects you and the way you frame it like i <laughs> kind of going back to like just finding what good ways to kind of game is that like i do a sort of delayed gratification thing like yeah i can do a couple of tasks like let's say i'll do laundry or the chores or go shopping and stuff like that and by doing that i reward myself like maybe an hour or two playing games and stuff yeah like that. so it can be a healthy way to you know still be productive and make sure that you're doing it in the right way yeah i would say yeah okay so it sounds like you've been it's my cat singing in the background I can't hear. <laughs> oh, sometimes she does that. Um, so it sounds like you, you're pretty good when it comes to bad habits. Like everybody drinks at university. Mm -hmm. A lot of people game and sometimes spend too much time gaming. Uh, you, you, you're not you're not too bad. You've done all right, and maybe that's because no. of your level of education and awareness in the in the topic of mental health, but. Um, let's go on to talk about then kind of all the good habits that you've got. Um, you talked a little bit about how you've journaled in the past, which is a really good way of kind of getting thoughts out and onto paper. So you don't have to continue to regurgitate those, those thoughts. Talked a bit about meditation yeah. as well. I think it's very powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say just kind of going back to that journaling thing. I used to do a thing as well where I'd write five things that like I'm grateful for yeah. and kind of just reframing things that I'm grateful for has been also very important just so like, cause like if you have a bad day, it's kind of good to reframe that like, Oh, it's not so bad. But also on top of that, like I would also write like three things that went well. Like if it could be anything big or small, like for example, I don't know, um, like I exercised today or I, drank water instead of soft drink, for example, which is like, I don't know. What is your equivalent of like Coke? Is it soft drink? No, it's the fizzy drink. Fizzy drink. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, like stuff I'm like confused that, now because I'm in German. I'm in, I'm, I've been in Germany for five years. I kind of got a disconnect between the UK and, uh, so yeah. <laughs> that's, that's why, yeah. Fizzy drink, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose so. I don't know. Um, but yeah, just anything big or small. Like I think that's for a good way to reframe yourself at the end of the day. Um what other good habits? No, just, just, I would to, say... just to carry on with that, because I, I think it's important the gratification and just thinking about the good stuff, because so often 
our mind focuses on the negative and you end up at the end of the day thinking about all the all the stuff that you're not happy with but if you just yeah. yeah as you say you reframe it and you say okay what am i what am i grateful for today i'm grateful for waking up and seeing my cats um playing around yeah, or I, the the weather I'm grateful or whatever for the weather yeah i'm grateful for my family i'm grateful for coffee i don't know if you drink coffee i'm pretty grateful about coffee <laughs> um just like anything like anything that comes to mind i could be i'm glad that i have a shelter to, and like a home to sleep in um anything like that i would say would count yeah anything that comes to mind for you yeah. yeah i think it's very important because like i kind of have this analogy where like let's say you upload a youtube video and you get like 200 likes and you get like two dislikes and one comment where like your video sucks blah 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 blah. you'd be like honing on that like why is it why is that so bad like why do you guys like not like the video is it because of this is it because of this and like obviously you have the other 200 people who thought it was fantastic right and so, yeah, your mind naturally goes to the negative if you let allow it to. So I think it's very important. Yeah, I had I had exactly that situation a few days ago. One person made a comment <laughs> on a video and like I could feel like I could feel myself getting so like my ego was so hurt by this this comment. Um, I managed to like control myself and not respond in a negative way but um i just I, I was i was the good thing was i was aware of how i was feeling and how i was responding and i tried to control that but yeah like as you say one negative comment compared to 10 positive comments but you focus on that negative one um it's yeah. crazy and i think like be, like journaling that is always a good way or finding a way to kind of express yourself in that sense hey mm. hey podcast wait <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah um yeah getting it out and making sure that you know you're not thinking about it like a day after or a week after or a month after i think it's for me specifically it's very important so yeah i'd like to get back into it at some point do you do you have someone you can talk to talk to about those things so because journaling is one thing also talking to a trusted friend or family member is is another way of like getting those things out yeah I Absolutely. I have a couple of friends who I'm pretty close with and I could be as vulnerable as I'd like to be. Um, and it's interesting because like I share something that's going on in my life and like she can talk about it and she talks about something in her life. She talks like I can talk her through it. And I think that's a really important point is that like trying to develop those relations where you can be vulnerable with certain people. It's always good because like um, they could be your support network. And also they can also be held you accountable. Like, okay, hey, it's probably not the best idea to probably do this, but like, I'd like to support you to kind of like develop better habits in relation to, let's say, drinking or something like that. I think it's very important. I think the other hard, hardest part about that is like, as guys, it's like, I don't know if you experience that, I suppose, the UK or Germany, but there's, we have here in Australia, like a very stoic type of culture where like, oh yeah, she'll be right. And you know, don't really talk about mental health and stuff like that. It's getting better over time, but there's still elements of that in here. So um, the kind of thing I wanted to get at is that like, it's hard for people to kind of be, I feel like as vulnerable, unless you developed like, I don't know, a long lasting relationship with 
another other dude just as friends and stuff like that yeah so. yeah i'd say yeah. it's i say it's um I, I i like to feel like it's getting better now with the the younger generations i feel like they're more aware and more open but certainly when i was growing up it was very much kind of like this whole be a man type mm. toxic masculinity which for me personally made me stop talking about feelings or how i'm fe emotions or i basically just built up a, a a big a big brick wall which has stopped me from forming relationships where i can speak to people um and be vulnerable as you as you quite rightly put it i've got that now with my fiance but i didn't have that for wait 30 plus years really so yeah i so didn't long. really have that either growing up like like in terms of like understanding our emotions and why we do the way things that we do in terms of behavior i didn't really have that growing up um you know just modeling this behavior of like just being a man tough it out yeah um, it's it was very interesting growing up in that time i suppose and i suppose like it's interesting as well like my only emotions were like happy or anger or like there wasn't that kind of like sphere of other different emotions like yeah. it could be sadness it could be shame it could be anything it was just like very superficial i suppose yeah in terms of yeah that growth so yeah i would like to hope that as the generations go on we get more mindful and more i suppose um knowledge and literacy and mental health in that aspect yeah yeah i i also have that hope and I see it, I do see it in like, um, because a lot, a lot of people that engage in my Discord or on my, on my Twitch are young, like they're th between, I don't know, they're, they're 13 plus, right? They can range anything from 13 onwards. Um, but they're already like reaching out in certain ways about like when they're when they're not feeling well and they, they want to talk to someone, they're already reaching out, which is great. And I would never have, I would have kept that in myself at that age and never would have felt the, um, or understood the benefits of reaching out and asking for help. Mm. It would have been yeah, no, I would probably feel the same way growing up as well. Like if, if I had this problem of, I don't know, it could be anything mental health, I suppose. I think my, like knowing me back then, my kind of thing would be like either tough it out or try to find a way to solve it because it's my problem and I got to figure out how to like solve it from there. But you know, it is always value to like having that support network and knowing if you do need help, you ask for help, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Okay. So, um, journaling, you, you've got your meditation as well as another thing that helps you. Is that a daily practice? Um, it's a daily practice. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd hope to say it's a daily practice. Obviously there's like a couple of days where I miss it and forget just because the day gets away from me. But, um, on the days that I do, like, it's interesting because, um, I've kind of integrated that on my commute to work, like where mm. I get on a train and like, I just kind of do some meditation on the way to work there and going back, which is helpful actually. Um, and I practice it in my lunch times. Um, sometimes like only not too long, like five minutes or so, which is like every little bit counts, I would say. Um, yeah, 
meditation highly recommend it i would say yeah that, that's great that you found ways to kind of implement it effectively throughout your day even if it's not finding a specific moment or a new time where you just sit down and stop it's actually taking the time during a commute to okay what would i be doing otherwise oh, okay well i know meditation is really helpful to get my mind right before work or after work then i can just take this time and, and meditate i think that's mm. i think that's great a, a lot of people wouldn't feel comfortable doing that perhaps if it's a, a busy train but i guess it's just something you get used to over time and you just gotta like if you yeah i felt super uncomfortable actually doing it the first couple of times like what if someone's just gonna like i don't know steal my stuff <laughs> but like i like i've i've kind of disenchanted that like myself so um yeah it's i think i think programming in the day is always good i used to do it before bed and i found that really helpful i don't currently do it now but um it's doing it before bed has been good could kind of like slow my breathing and slow my heart rate so that i can fall asleep easier i've had no i, I do notice a bit a better difference in my sleep quality if i do it before bed yeah kind of unwound that other habit but i think it's <laughs> give it a go i would say it's another one yeah and um um sorry i just had to sneeze and got a, you're right i've got i've got a like a long-term chest injury from a dislocated rib and it always gives me oh, no. problems how did that happen if you don't mind me asking i was at the gym um doing some oh, yeah. bench training and it was the last time i went mm -hmm. to the gym and i just something just went i thought it was a ripped muscle and the doctors didn't know for a long time what it was until about maybe I don't even know how long it was. It was maybe two years later, someone eventually... No, no, no. I I saw something online. I was like, oh, maybe it was a video. So, oh, maybe, maybe what I've got is a dislocated rib. And then I ended up going to a chiropractor and saying, I think I, think I have this. And yeah, they're, they're, like, they popped it back into place. But ever since, it's... it's um, it's it's got more movement than your ribs should do so mm. it kind of comes out more so i have to i see pop it back into yeah. place hasn't hasn't healed the same way has it no. i suppose um but like going to that point i would say exercise is another habit for myself that helps a lot um just to kind of like yeah feel a lot better like after i do my exercise yes it's tough like the exercise is tough um and i've kind of like i kind of told you i don't think we said it live but in the preamble before the um podcast that i would wake up at 5 30 a.m to go work out and that like initially that's very tough but um now that it's a habit um i've kind of yeah it's definitely easier i would say um and i've the reason why i do it in the morning is that um i find myself a lot and more energized in the morning once i've like done that and i'm ready to go to work after that um i did try doing that in the afternoon um i can see the benefits in that sense where like yes you're stressed for work and stuff like that and then you can go work out and kind of just like detach from work and all that um so that not necessarily like it's good but i i prefer the benefits of doing it in the morning than the afternoon myself personally but i can see why people do it in the afternoon so i i think um, yeah, i think exercise, a lot I think a lot of people yeah, do it in the ahead. afternoon because they can't 
they can't get up early. <laughs> yeah, That'd that's be, fair enough. Ex- I think their excuses are no, yeah. it helps me get the stress out, but really <laughs> we, we all know why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think I think the other reason why I do it in the morning is that um I probably like after work, I mean like nah stuff it. I can't be bothered anymore. Like I wouldn't have the energy to kind of like get myself to the gym, I would say. So Yeah. Um, I had know, the same experience. I really enjoy I like after or during and after exercise in the morning, I felt amazing. But the, mm-hmm. but getting yourself up that early was the toughest thing. And yeah, you just got to build a habit around it. Like eventually it will become something that you're able to do five, five days a week or however, how I think, I think it has to be like, if you're getting up at five 30 to go to the gym, then you just get up 5.30 pretty much every day because otherwise you could kind of slip out of that, of that habit. Um, yeah, I would agree. But um, And um, I was going to say, like, I didn't bring myself to start doing five, four to five days immediately. Um, I, like, in terms of exercising, I would start one day a week and then two days a week eventually yeah maybe three days a week and like it not wasn't necessarily just going to the gym it was like either going for a run or trying yoga or, or you know boxing just anything that would get myself moving i think is the main principle there like even just walking like yeah I would just walk and listen to a podcast and walk until the podcast is finished yeah i suppose so yeah i always find it very beneficial yeah i i definitely need to get more movement in at the moment because my work is at home and Mm. it's so easy just to go from your morning routine which we talked about before mine is pretty much tidying up and doing yoga and having a shower and eating and straight into work and then you're not i find myself not getting out a lot of the time um so Mm. if i just simply inserted a jog or a walk in the morning that will give me so much benefits like fresh air bit of exercise um i really need to do that i need Um, to do that i i did do that like initially when lockdown happened um where like because we still had like the ability to kind of go for a a walk and stuff like that so what i'll program in is like yeah i do all my morning routine and then go uh, walk around my block a couple of times and then work and then once i finished work i'll do the walk again to kind of like I'd wind myself out of work so that, um, yeah, I'm not thinking about work, I suppose, but yeah, it just depends whether or not like it's, you know, safe to do in this pandemic. So it all depends on a use case there. Yeah. Like, um, we haven't really talked about that. things have, um, because when I originally spoke to, in fact, I've had many Australians on the show. <laughs> I don't know if you consider oh, really? yourself Australian, but uh, I've had, um, oh, I do. Um, I've had owls um, and Alfarco on twice and during I'm pretty sure during both or all of those podcasts there was no quarantine for you in Australia but it's got it's picked up um, over the last couple of months I think like the situation has changed mm. for you right is that is that how's that impacted you um it's interesting because like we I live in a state where we never really had a big outbreak so um, Victoria and New South Wales are the ones that are currently going through the big outbreaks where I, like, I'm in one of the other states that doesn't. Um, in terms of the lockdown stuff, it wasn't as bad, really. Um, the only thing that I would say is, like, 
working from home has become a thing that kind of affected me in a sense because like in i was still doing my master's of public health in 2020 and i was in my final year which is also interesting because like we talk about pandemics in the year before and stuff like that and then lo and behold you're, pandemic, you're it studying happened. it and then uh, then it happened okay <laughs> then it actually happened yeah um so trying to like affected me in the sense that like i had to relearn different habits to accommodate for the pandemic i would say so like i was like um what's it called we do zoom lectures and stuff like that it was all online and i always preferred going into the university and like doing the lectures in face and being in the environment of a university mm. and you know meeting my friends who are uni students um face to face but like doing that over zoom is different in a way because like in a sense you're kind of just staring at a screen you're not really like it's there's something weird about it it's like you're not really picking up on verbal cues and stuff like that you have to like focus a lot more i'm not sure exactly what it is but i would say that that online study affected me a little bit but um the only other things that would affect me is like routines so like um my workout routine would be changing but that's not too bad considering like um we never really had a really long lockdown where i live so mm. all in all i would say there wasn't really too much that was affected yeah but actually i think i think you you, you touched on it like even just this the simple change of routine can break a habit that's that you might have had over years um and i've i've seen that like because like obviously quarantine changed lots of people's schedules and lifestyles and it would have broken a lot of habits and then as you spend i don't know a year year and a half in quarantine then form those habits again and then coming out of quarantine you have to start going to the office again you go okay when do i find time for this and this and this it's like yeah. it's it's really difficult to try and like keep these these good things in your life um when things are so turbulent i think a mm. lot of people yeah. like at school school and studying I, I do believe has like been impacted so heavily based on the fact that as you say that that live interaction face to face like feeling the atmosphere of being in a learning environment is so important and you lose that completely when you're just staring at a screen. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think it's just like, even with the social stuff, like if you're at school and you were suddenly, you know, all your peers and you, I feel like as you grow up in school, you kind of navigate all the different social aspects of life and just like your social circle, your friends, people, teachers other different role models um there's that aspect too i would say that kind of doesn't get developed as time goes on because you're in front of a screen but um definitely the academic side too i definitely felt that that affected me in a sense but you know got through it i suppose so yeah all and well it's another learning it's another learning mm. i think yeah there, there are definitely good things to come from the working from home or studying from home you'd learn you learn how you like how you how do you study best or how you work best or um because before you would never have had that option to or opportunity to to trial it i guess 
Mm. Um, yeah, like like with most things, it was uncharted territory, and I feel like with most things that are uncharted territory, there is a bit of anxiety because you, mm. that's how it naturally goes. You're like, okay, how does this how's this gonna work? <laughs> so you just kind of like do some trial and error, and then you find your way through, and yeah, it becomes okay in the end. I would say. Okay. Cool. So we were we were talking about good habits, then we went off on a bit of a tangent. Um, I think <laughs> we, we were on exercise, weren't we? Yes. Right. It was exercise. Actually. Okay. Um. Anything? Anything else? Any other? Um, good habits that you want to share? Let's just recap. We went journaling, mm. meditation exercise talk um support network and talking to people support networks yeah um sleep sleep sleep's the other big one. Oh yeah yeah absolutely um i find myself that like yeah setting a sleep routine find very important and making sure that sleep hygiene is kind of makes sense in the sense that like you don't want to be looking at your phone right before you go to bed you want to take some time to unwind like five or ten minutes you can use that time to do some meditation i suppose um yeah, which is a bit hard as a Twitch streamer because, you know, I'm currently like have two lights here and here and it's like nighttime. So it's a bit hard to kind of unwind um, yeah. in a sense. I suppose that is a bit of the traction when you're doing night streaming. But um, yeah, I have another, like you can definitely get some on your smartphone and stuff like that to track your sleep and see how your sleep quality yeah. is. Um, yeah, I always find it important to kind of set um sleep schedules because there is like kind of a, a, a science to it where you have a whole bunch of sleep cycles and you want to make sure that they um you have enough of them every night so i think every cycle is about 90 minutes and it takes like 15 minutes to kind of get to bed um so yeah i would say that's why they recommend you do seven to nine every every day if you can but yeah. i think the most important um like thing to make sure is that you wake up at the same time you can kind of vary your um sleep bedtime it's not ideal but um making sure that you get up at the same time every every day is the most important one i would say yeah that echoes something that um another guest said uh, it was the diet elf um who i think themselves have struggled with sleeping but the thing that helps the most is just to make sure you get up at the same time every day because eventually you'll be tired enough to go to sleep when you need to go to sleep and you can start um getting those seven to nine hours in i think there's there's other things that can like for people who are struggling to sleep full stop i mean i had a conversation with um etrom Lairs, i think two podcasts ago and his sleeping is safe to say it's all over the place, but that comes from a, a um, his his upbringing where mm. he um, basically effectively lived in a situation where he would be woken up at about five o'clock in the morning and then have to be be taken somewhere else to continue with sleep. So he's always had like a very mm. interrupted and um, sleeping schedule which has then impacted him in 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 later life um but yeah but i think that the first thing you got to try and do as you say is always wake up at the same time and then the other things you can kind of look to add to 
um, add to help improve your sleep over time, whether it be like turning off technology an hour before or making sure your, your, your room is nice and cool and dark when you go to bed, I think. Um, absolutely yeah there's lots of things that can help but completely agree i think i also um i also like have earplugs and an eye mask so like all the bells and whistles yeah but yeah like it's yeah those ones are very important too like yeah in the right temperature and be in a dark environment so yeah okay yeah i've um i've learned a lot about sleep over the last couple of years and it's a big topic for me i certainly can see how my health has changed since i started to prior prioritize it more and mm -hmm. i'm still not great right i still like there are some days where i will go from sitting at a computer to going straight to bed which isn't is not going to help me getting to sleep um there's yeah. still days where i sleep an extra hour um or there are still days where like, I don't know, I eat whatever it might be. Although I have this level of education and awareness about it, there's still some days I'm, I'm not perfect, but I can certainly see how just being more consistent has really helped me both ment mentally and physically because part of my chest injury, um, mm -hmm. not recovering, apart from the fact that it was dislocated, it was, is also because I wasn't having good quality sleep. Um, for so long, for so long, I didn't have good quality sleep. And sleep not only helps um, physically, but uh, mentally, but physically, it helps repair. Um, yeah, during... So, and I realize that now if, if I just like had better quality sleep, then I would have probably, I wouldn't have this pain anymore. Um, so yeah, it's a big big learning for me and I, I do see the benefits of it now i have this uh i have like a a, a ring um which oh. um tracks my sleep and my activity and my like heart uh, heart rate and temperature and stuff like that um that's pretty cool i love that yeah i, I used it for a long time i stopped using it now but it, it helped me get to a point in which i was like very aware of my sleep and what i needed to do to improve it now it's just a, an accessory. Some, yeah. Sometimes it's like having that thing to kind of like assist you to like, as time goes on, you learn more about yourself and learn what is the right kind of behaviors to do. Whereas like, I would say like for you specifically, like now that it's more of an accessory to you, it's like the training wheels that come off and yeah. you're ready to go to ride on the bike. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a great analogy. The, the, the training wheels. Exactly. Um, hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of like other habits. Oh, diet. diet. Diet's a big one. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. I would say, yeah. I think making sure I have enough like energy, like through healthy foods and vegetables and fruit and stuff like that is always, always a big plus because I noticed that, um, especially with like eating junk food and stuff like that, you can definitely get yourself into food coma which I kind of like colloquially call it, but it's essentially when your blood sugar spikes and then your body kind of adapts to that by storing that um, glucose into your fat storages. And by doing that, you you feel so tired. You're like, Bleh. You, you feel lethargic. You don't want to do anything. But there is also research kind of like in the last couple of years or 10 years where there is links with mental health and the... Um, 
the microbiome in your gut, in your digestive system. Yeah. I don't know if you heard about this, but, um, but yeah, if it's not in the right balance, that can also affect, um, your kind of, uh, mental health in a sense. Yeah. No, it's funny that you mentioned that. Cause I was going to mention it. I watched, I saw a TikTok the other day from, um, this lady who, um, um, is a mental health, um, I don't know what you call it. Practitioner, I don't, I don't know. Huh? Professional, mm. yeah. Let's yep. just go professional. Yeah. And she said the the thing that she likes to focus on is gut health. That that's like she thinks she her opinion is that that's one of the biggest imp uh, um, impacts of your mental health. If you're eating good and your gut health is good, then your mental mm -hmm. health because it's all connected, right? Your gut and your gut and your brain are very much connected brain. yeah very much so because like to kind of explain that like your gut has so many different types of bacteria the good and the bad and so if you f give them f food which is could be bad food and that's um, what the bad bacteria like really like they can outcompete the good bacteria and so instead of it being like a 50 50 or 75 good 25 bad it could be 90 bad 90 percent bad and 10 percent good and from the kind of them being out of balance you can have different pains and different uncomfortableness and all those things can add up into like not feeling good having a bad day and yeah um i suppose that's probably the best way to explain it in my eyes yeah but the, the food came out of thing is such a, is so such a good indicator right because like we all have it when we have something that we crave and afterwards we feel like we feel like you just want to you're in a coat you're like you you can't move you, you yeah. just want to sleep you can't move that is the perfect yeah. indicator to tell you that food is not good for my body um yeah for sure and of course we all still do it, it but it just has yeah. to be like yeah less. and it can also be like food portions as well like if you eat like yeah. a significant amount as well um, it can definitely affect that as well, even more so. So, yeah. Yeah, I think Diet, food, food portions is like, is a big one because I, I'm pretty sure like there's information or knowledge around you eat healthy, like vegetables are healthy, eat healthy, then you'll feel better. But food portions are like, I feel like, you go to you go to one restaurant and you get given like a big pile of food. You go to another, you get completely different size. It feels like there's no real good piece of information or knowledge or education around how much food you should be eating, mm. unless you and go in and educate yourself and read like all these. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and. I suppose I was kind of like privileged in the sense of that, like I did take a nutrition course in my science degree. Yeah. And so that kind of paved that way to kind of find myself a better way to eat and stuff like that through getting the vitamins and, you know, make sure that portions are right. But you, it all depends on um, your body composition, you know, like for example, a six foot tall pet, like male can eat, a significant amount of food whereas a like myself i'm pretty sure like five five four male don't need to eat, eat as much um it's all variable unfortunately and so because yeah portion size are a bit of a 
variable thing. It's hard to kind of like have good information there. Yeah. Um, so it depends. Unfortunately, it just depends really. Um, but kind of going on that vitamins kind of thing, I do take supplements and I take some vitamin D um, supplements, but that's, that's just because like, A, I don't really go out that much like in the sun, but B, because of my um, skin, my darker skin, um, there is a mechanism where your like um, your body can convert sunlight to vitamin D, but um, because I have more melanin, which is like darker skin, it takes me longer to kind of do that mechanism okay. than for you example, where it would take you, for example, if you're in the sun for like 10 to 15 minutes, that's enough daily dose of vitamin D for you to get okay. from the sunlight. Whereas me, I would take two hours essentially or something like that to get the same amount of levels. Yeah. So, um, yeah, vitamin D is a big one actually. I can like, there's a lot of public health wise, um, in the UK because it's always overcast or rainy. There is a significant shortage of vitamin D levels in the population there. Well, you know, uh. actually, yeah. So I would say it's important. Um, there's so many different mechanisms as well. Um, that having good, like enough levels of vitamin D and obviously other vitamins um, can water things, especially with COVID as well, actually. Yeah. I think there's some research that suggests that like you get better, um, you won't have significant effects from COVID if you do get it, if you have a well-balanced diet, including vitamin D. Huh. Yeah. Okay. That's fascinating. Um. Because it's also connected. What's it called? Seasonal. Um, seasonal affective disorder. Yeah, that's when you. That's when yeah. it's dark and you don't get enough sunlight, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. You don't Correct. go out yes. enough. It's it's in the winter months for sure, and you'll see that more in the. Um, I suppose closer towards the poles, like countries that are like that. So, like Scandinavian countries will feel that more than obviously, let's say, the Philippines or, um, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. When I was in Iceland for a work trip, um, it it's crazy because you're going to sleep when it's when it's very light outside, and you you're waking up when it's dark. It's just like the the whole night and day thing is completely skew with in a country like Iceland, and um, it could cause a lot of problems, as you say. Yeah, yeah, and that's like that light and dark thing is also funnily enough linked to sleep as well. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just arcading reason for that. Yeah. Um, okay, amazing, Eddie. <laughs> Anything else? Like, yeah. uh, you, you basically just like tick tick boxes for um, for everything that I would I would like to hear in terms of good good habits. And they're as you said before, they're not like they're not easy to implement. Like people are different situations or circumstances, like. It's not mm. always easy to to get to a, a lot of people can't necessarily afford the healthy food. It's it's cheaper to buy um, frozen or whatever it might be that mm -hmm. which is a really bad situation people are in. But there's always like steps you can take. Like it's not about doing all of these things at once. It's about choosing the one that might. Um, be easiest for you or make the most sense for you to implement and then try and build a habit around it and then go on to the next one and then on to the next one yeah i definitely agree because it's it's 
in a journey for your mental health, I always think it as step by step. Where, like, for example, the first one is maybe getting better sleep, and by doing that, taking like a MMO analogy, you level up in that sort of sense, and it allows you more capacity to do more things. So, let's say you get better sleep, which means that over time, now that you built the habit, you can go exercise more, and by doing more exercise more over a habit, you can probably eat more and like eat more healthier stuff like if you can like depending on your situation so i would say yeah like taking it step by step and kind of like getting that snowball rolling i would say to get it bigger and bigger and bigger um would be the way to go i would say okay amazing anything else that you want to share with us today that we no, might have not missed really off? um i can't really think of anything but i feel like you know and now later down the road, like, damn, I could have talked about that, but it's whatever. I think we've covered a lot in this um, podcast. And, you know, it's very interesting to see what I can kind of offer in terms of advice. But, you know, and for different people, it could be harder, it could be easier. So, you know, make sure to tailor it to your own, um, own life, I would say. And, oh, actually, another big thing is that, um, I don't know. Do you know the Twitch streamer, um, HealthyGamer.gg? The yeah, um, I I know him through YouTube. Yeah. Um, I kind of had a big revelation where a lot of the topics that they talk about, despite listening to the interviews of of them, like kind of helped me to kind of distinguish what. Like, for example, my perfectionism and how to improve that, where um, a lot of people had that sort of theme in their life. Yeah. But also, like, other things, like, for example, um, Pokimane, for example, the Twitch streamer, um, she had an immigrant background and she had certain aspects as well, like with perfectionism and growing up in a culture that's different from hers. Um, so just by listening to those different conversations um, kind of helped me to kind of understand where things come from and why they ended up like ended up being the way they were and trying to be more mindful and aware of certain behaviors that may not serve you in this current moment where they may have like growing up and trying to understand that. So I would say another thing is to kind of check out that content. I, would, um, I think it's very valuable to just listen in when you can. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's, uh really really good because i i agree understanding your own habits can be can be very powerful and then just by listening to someone who might have gone through or is dealing in this is going through the same situation as you once went through or you're going through is a really powerful way of um getting that level of understanding that you need to then recognize oh okay this is why and then that might help you to change in some way that might help improve um where you are right now and then that's great mm -hmm. I'll, I'll link I'll, I'll drop a link to um it's healthygamer.gg right yeah, that's the Twitch channel, and I they think it's the same in the YouTube channel as well. So. Yeah, I'll drop a link in the description as well so people can check that out. I haven't watched too much of their stuff, um, but yeah, they speak to a lot of well-known um, streamers, and 
I think it's I think it's important to know that everyone is going through these mental health um, struggles. And then if you can relate to what someone else is going through and perhaps learn from it, then that's a that's a really good way of you kind of taking another step on your own mental health journey. And it's very fascinating too, because like the the guests I have, like I usually like Twitch celebrities and stuff like that, where like by listening to those conversations, you realize that they're just another person, right? Just their job is just Twitch. And that sort of dynamic, like from the chat to the streamer, you realize that that can be like a parasocial relationship where it's one-sided. Um, so yeah, it's very interesting to kind of listen to those. I would yeah. Say. Yeah. And I mean, this is also the point of this podcast as well, to listen to people like you talk about your experience and then everything that you've learned, learned from, and hopefully from all the conversations that I've had, there are things that people can take away, take away from it, big or small. Mm. But I think it's great that you've obviously gone through your hard moments through your generalized anxiety and uh, depressive disorder and you already talked about how you're in a, a much much better space now from implementing or trying to build habits around all these things that you've learned about so i think you're an amazing case study for um how you can go from a, a very low to living a um, a life which is can be very fulfilling and you're not having to um, think too much about kind of um, your mental health because you built it into a into a into a habit that means that you're not worried or fearful or stressed too much about kind of what is going to happen in the future and you learn yeah, from things absolutely. that's happened in the past as well, which is it's just a great way of looking at kind of hard situations that have that have, that have impacted you in your life. Yeah, and yeah, that just comes with time. And like, yeah, building your mental health. I always like try to think of it in terms of like mental wealth, where like you know you put more, you deposit more than you kind of withdraw out. Yeah, in terms of that bank, and that takes takes, takes time, mm. right? Like. Like when I had my episode, that was in 2015. That was six years ago. And like it was six years of actively trying to build myself back up together to be in a healthier place. And I would say, like, you know, there's still stuff to work on. I would say it's not like, it's not like I've got to today. We're like, okay, job done. Like, that's it. Like, I, it's always a ongoing thing. I would say it should be an ongoing thing. Yeah. It's a journey, right? And I think, I think that's important to, never yeah never think that the job is done because it, there can be moments where you kind of um hit a crossroads and maybe something bad happens but you the, you always have to kind of just remember it's it's a journey and that things life happens um but it's how mm -hmm. you respond to it which is most important because um there's 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 so much that we can we can learn and from from everything that happens in our lives. Yeah, exactly, and can learn from others as well, which is yeah, right. Why we have this podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, sweet dude. Thanks for thanks for talking today. Thanks for sharing so much. Yeah, 
Thank you so much. I'd like to finish on one final question. I don't know if you prepared for mm -hmm. this or not. But if you were a... I, I don't remember what the list was. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. This is going to be interesting. You as a multi, a very, like I was, I was looking through your, um, your, your streamed games as well. And you are like a big variety streamer. There's Dark Souls in there. There's Stardew Valley. There's, there's D&D. &D. Like you have a whole wide range of uh, games in your repertoire. What you like to kind of dig into. Um, so this question is, if you were a character from a video game, who would you be and why? Who would I be and why? That's very interesting. Oh, no. <laughs> so the, 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 the way I, I like to um, guide people with this question is like, I, w I want you to think of a character that has your strengths. Like that you look at and think, yeah, they, they, I'm also like that. I have, I also feel like that. Um, and I can relate to that person. Maybe you've also had their struggles as well, which uh, brings that, um, that correlation in, but I always like to think, get people to think about the good stuff rather than, oh, okay. I'm like this person because he's lazy or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just trying to think like, I don't really have a person per se, but I can kind of like bring out an analogy from dark souls in a sense that you start off basically with nothing you start off really small and there's so many different challenges ahead of you as you go fight bosses and progress in different stages um and with time you know you get better at things you if you keep just keep going you'll get better at it you'll learn more things you'll um, eventually beat a boss and then you move on to the next thing and eventually yeah you get to a spot where you feel good essentially so i would yeah to answer your question i don't really have a person but i would say if it was a game i'd probably think it would be that yeah that's that uh, i've never thought about dark souls in that way but that's that's fascinating yeah. yeah yeah and i would say like you know another i suppose answer could be like any mmo as well right like let's say let's take new one like you start off again with nothing you start building skills like to either you know cook or um, mine or anything but like instead of mining like take things like i don't know like work on your mental health or working on your physical health you know diet um you know exercise etc cetera, etc cetera. and then as time goes on you level up and you get more access to other areas and other things and more things in life and yeah you just go from there yeah and you've got to make the the choices throughout and yeah i think that's a good good analogy i like it yeah mm. Okay. So sorry, I didn't really answer the question, but it, that's all I got. <laughs> no, I like the fact there's different answers. And and we have had uh, Dark Souls come up before, believe it or not. Oh, really? Yeah. There you go. If Very interesting. Once, maybe. No, it was definitely once. Just once. Um, well, thank you so much, dude, for being part of the podcast today. I'm going to drop links uh, or a link to your Twitch in the descriptions. Everyone should go check out Virality. We didn't really get a chance to talk too much about your, your streaming, but um, very much a variety streamer, um, often doing uh, some collabs with um, Alfarco and, and other people from the community. Um, so it's a really fun chilled stream to be a part of and you should all go check it out and yeah thank you so much for talking it's been a pleasure i've learned a lot as well so thank you yeah, and... it's been a pleasure to be on 
and it's been very nice to kind of i suppose get my brain picked in a sense yeah with regards to mental health yeah, it's Super. pretty cool i love it one thing i did want to mention i forgot is that i don't know if you look mm. at the analytics in twitch but we have got a big overlap in our audience um do we really yeah That's very interesting the, i never really looked um you should i think it's an interesting thing to look at um you're pretty much like number two on the list like so i think between us we share an audience and i've got a feeling that a lot of people want to listen to this uh conversation that we've had today so um it's uh it's yeah. it's good that it's finally happened and i think el farco might have even said months ago that i should reach out to you but um it, it got lost in my in my mind along the way funny thing is i think he did mention to me that like i don't know a few months ago and i'm like oh yeah cool i'll see see whether that lands and then i was like oh i guess now today's the day today's but the day. yeah like if you ever want me to have this song like have me back on again happy to be a part of it so yeah we'll that'd be awesome way. um thank you dude enjoy the rest of your evening and we'll see yeah. each other very soon yeah thank you so much okay bye guys until next time bye